On this episode, we discuss Friday the 13th, Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. Takes it all the way to Vancouver, Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey, I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalen. I can't wait to tell you later in the show about our upcoming Flop TV episodes. And right now, I want to thank everybody who showed up to our Vidiots show because this episode is airing after those shows. We're recording it before those shows. I'm sure they went amazing and everybody loved yeah. it. We probably got carried out on people's shoulders because they were so excited and there was that Dan- crazy part where Dan was doing a dance and then his pants ripped and his dong <laughs> flopped out like Lenny Kravitz. And they were like, whoa. <laughs> it's, yep. Had to be there. You, had, you, had, you have to, had to be there. Yeah, Dan, it'll never happen we- again. I nope. got those double stitch pants, the <laughs> Mr. Finally. Hudsucker. Dan, 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 he's just so nice. I gave him the double stitch pants anyway. <sighs> um, on this podcast, we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. <laughs> We're in the midst of Shocktober, a Shocktober Ooh. 80s flashback month. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I I didn't think it would be that hard to sell uh, for uh, Elliot and Stuart to do Jason Takes Manhattan, as I know that Stuart, of course, is a big Friday head and uh, <laughs> Friday the 13th head. Not, I mean, okay. I mean, he might like he loves the, Friday. Maybe he loves Friday the movie Friday also. I don't yeah. know. Or the Friday. restaurant. Freaky Friday, TGI, <laughs> yeah. all Fridays, um, or uh, or, and I knew that Elliot, of course, famously, I'm not familiar with it, <laughs> was inspired by his disappointment <laughs> over this film <laughs> to write Maniac of New York. In part, in part, you had other yes. ideas, of course, to, to create and write the award not nominated for comic book <laughs> series Maniac of New York, available yeah. in fine bookstores now. It's too bad, though. It is like watching this again, having you know. I guess this is the first time that I've watched this movie since reading Maniac of New York that I'm like, oh yeah, Maniac of New York is so much better than this. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. Yeah, I, I had I had a simple experience while I was watching it because I hadn't watched it again in a long time, and I was like, yeah, I did do a better job in this movie. Yeah. But yeah. I, but apparently the writer of the film did want to do more of the same kind of stuff that I do in Maniac of New York in terms of using New York's iconic locations, but they did not have the budget. Whereas the great thing about comics. All it costs is pen and paper and ink and Andre Moody, my my wonderful artist's uh, wrists. That's all it. That's all it takes. Well, also mm-hmm. it was because they had two separate concepts for this, which was Jason on a boat and Jason in Manhattan, mm-hmm. and they decided to smash them together. In part because, as you say, it saves money. But I think if they had just committed to the idea of Jason being a big city, like just a lot of him I, looking up at the at the buildings, going, <laughs> "Wow!" His his suitcase gets stolen immediately. Well, that kind of stuff. I had oh. this thought while watching. Watching it, you know, I'm not gonna tip my hand too far, but I was like, I know this is one of the least liked in the series. You know, as a Friday the 13th movie, though, I'm not hating it. And I think that part of me not hating it is I know by this point it's not going to fulfill its title. Yes. And this movie may have been more successful if it was just called Jason on a Boat, I th- which is I not a terrible idea for a Friday the 13th if it was movie. Called like, if it was called like Friday the 13th Part 8 Dead Tide or something like yeah. that. And then— by, and then surprise twist, he ends up in New York at the end for a little bit. 
it, it instantly is a, is a better movie. It, it yeah. just because it doesn't mm-hmm. live up to the promise that it's not making. You know, it's if it's not making that promise, then I, yeah, I think people would be a lot more sympathetic towards it. But they really pushed the hell out. I remember when this movie was coming out, just the promotions for it. They really pushed the hell out of the idea that Jason is in New York now, and it's called Jason Takes Manhattan. He's all he's hanging over the skyline, ready to chop some yeah. buildings down with his with his big I mean, knife. It's a- it's a great it's, poster. The uh, yes. Do you think it could have been Jason uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Eight, like Death on the Hudson or Death on the Bloodson River? <laughs> I, mean, I don't could, know. It could Bloodson have been. still there's, sounds more like a name than it does yeah, blood it to does. me. <laughs> but like, what if on the poster the blood part was written in blood? <laughs> okay, cool, right. cool. I mean, but not the sun part. But, but no, the sun would be spelled S-O-N but, but the or sun. like S-U-N and it would be a sun symbol. Yeah, the, the blood sun. <laughs> that doesn't, that's a different spelling. But Just like the Hudson River. <laughs> yeah, now that yeah. you're bringing it up, now I, I want to see a movie where it's it's about the miracle on the Hudson, except it's because Jason was on the plane and Sully has to, has to that's why he has to land the plane. Just, and Sully Sullenberger and Jason are fighting each other on the wing of the, of the plane that has landed in the Hudson River. And if he can, if he can, if Sully can save all those souls while there's a Jason on board. Mm, you got to name a fucking street after that guy. Uh, Stuart, I want to <laughs> sure. say that your, your blood font Bloodson solution works beautifully if you're seeing it in print. Now, does does blood drip off the sound of the words Bloodson if someone's yes. just saying? I would, wow. I would say well, if we can is, invent that technology, I, then. <laughs> we're, 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 it's some sort of synesthesia where you get the idea of dripping blood from the sound of the word. Yeah. I would Death say, on the Bloodson, yeah. Uh, I would say I think you reach some uh, some uh, market penetration problems with the fact that Manhattan is a globally known thing, whereas I think the Hudson mm. River is not necessarily quite <laughs> on the top of people's minds in the same way that they will get the play on words with blood sin. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, I guess I, history I will tell, like, you know? If it, had been, if it had been called Friday the 13th Part 8, Times Square, then it's like, okay, I get it. People know oh, what Times Square is. Right, but, if it, but if it was right. like Friday the 13th Part 8, Dead Itch Village. I think people would be like, huh? Let me take a minute. Oh, oh, right, Greenwich Village. That's right. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. I get it. It's I think it's it's not you wanna you wanna get the famous thing that people all over the world can understand. Because Jason he's a global brand. He's partnered with Adidas. He's 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 always on the on the runways in Rome and Milan. He's a global mm-hmm. brand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At home, yeah. at home. Seems like in a, a real uh, Carhartt guy, honestly. Yeah, he's like very, John very big in Canada. Yeah, a little bit. For he's, at, he's at home, he's as at home in a sake bar in Japan as he is out on the Velt. In Africa, as he is, mm-hmm. uh, as he is climbing to Machu Picchu, leading a gang of tourists, as he is sitting in just a regular old diner in New York in 1989. Jason, he's 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 a real Anthony he's Bourdain everywhere type. You want to be, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, yeah, <laughs> yeah, because it was weird teleporting. <laughs> yeah, the uh, so we'll just say that my title is maybe second best, and we'll uh, we'll work yeah, yeah, hard yeah. a little more. Yeah, yeah, no, okay, a solid that. alternate. Yeah, solid alternate. So. Uh, Let's uh, let's jump into this little flick, right? So this is the eighth of these. So uh, I hope you guys have watched all the previous seven and <laughs> yeah. know them integral perfectly. to the. Yep. The the Jason series is a weird series because mm-hmm. the iconic so? the iconic character design does not exist until what halfway through the third movie, and so mm-hmm. I've always been surprised. The three D one, yeah, the three D yeah, one. Yeah, because that's when he gets the hockey mask. Because in the second mm-hmm. one, Jason just has a bag over his head, and the first one, mm-hmm. there's no Jason till that. That that scare part at the end. It's it's uh-huh. it's it's his mom. So the idea that it's almost like 
the idea that they would keep making these and eventually hit on an iconic horror character and look is very funny to me. And it's a little bit like if Star Wars was about a bunch of characters no one cared that much about. Empire Strikes Back, Luke is in it, but he's got a bag on his head. And then in the third <laughs> movie, halfway through, he's like, let me put on this karate gi and pick up this laser sword. And people are like, yeah, yeah. I like it. This is great. Well, yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, if somebody's like, I love Boba Fett, where should I start watching these movies? It's like, well, you got to start with A New Hope. And you're like, there's no Boba Fett. <laughs> start with start with episode one, Phantom Menace. Oh, okay. And start I- with the Ewok movie. <laughs> Which one? Uh, Caravan of Hope or whatever it is? The Battle Caravan for Endor? Caravan of Courage, dude. Caravan of Courage, sorry. <laughs> okay, so Friday the 13th, part eight, opens with opening credits over shots of a grimy New York City. And there's a radio host who's doing a little, like, poetic tribute to New York City. Yeah, he's like uh, an East Coast Bukowski, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, don't yeah, get the, attached to these New York shots of New York City because we're not going to be here for long. Though, I guess a lot of these shots are then echoed by the events uh, near the end of the movie. So yes. You are seeing the same fictional uh, grimy alleyways full of steam that uh, you will see oh, later man. on. But that just <sighs> have open trash cans full of wet waste. Can, uh, can we take it, just guys. a second it. to talk to filmmakers out there, though? Stop putting alleyways in films yeah. set in New York. There's very few. We have like one alleyway. And the whole city, I know that everyone's vision of the city is a bunch of fucking alleyways going wherever. The way the city is built, there are no alleys. Stop doing it. I remember we. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I look at one of these alleys and I'm like, whoa, what's the rent on that alley? <laughs> <laughs> I remember reading a. Uh, I mean, they're all yeah, they're all muses at this point. The uh, the. I remember reading a like a message board where they're talking about it might have been this movie or some other New York movie, and they were and someone's writing about how there's no alleys and this guy. Uh, he chimed in, he goes, what, so you telling me that the buildings in New York are just like right up against each other? And the guy's like, yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> they all are. They're just touching each other all the time. Constantly crammed Gross. on top of each other. You can't okay. eat one because it's touching the other building. <laughs> <laughs> mm, yep. Uh, so the uh, the camera eventually submerges outside of Liberty Island only to mm-hmm. resurface in a little place called Crystal Lake where a small yacht is pulling up outside of a well-lit campground. Uh, and we have <laughs> Through two, some sort uh, of estuary or canal, one assumes. Mm-hmm. Two from- uh, teenagers who we learn are graduating seniors are hooking up, and they're listening to that very same radio host who dedicates some song to the graduating senior class of their town who are prepping on a, and as we are informed by the radio host, are prepping for a school trip to New York. (laughs) (laughs) Big news. Uh, Yeah, it's big news. Um, These are Jimmy and Susie. Jimmy gives us a quick summary of the Jason Voorhees legend. Susie is, uh, I guess, being informed of this the first time. Even despite Uh, living in the community, we have to assume. Maybe she's a transfer student. Maybe she just moved to Crystal Lake. Who knows? Uh, they toss the anchor overboard, which tugs on a submerged power line, which runs under a section of collapsed dock where Jason's corpse <laughs> is currently buried. See uh, Friday the 13th Part 7, Ed. Uh, it causes a That's the name uh, of it, shock. Friday the 13th Part 7, Ed? Is Ed a major no, that's character? No, that's the editor. The editor oh, is that's telling right. us. Oh, yeah, that's Rascally Roy is, is, is yeah, notifying Rascally us. Roy. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it causes a shockwave, which wakes up zombie Jason, who boards the yacht. Uh, Jimmy goes out to check on something only to come back dressed up as Jason for a brief uh, joke. 
Now, uh, now maybe this is, is this, now I, when I was a teenager, I did not have ready access to women who wanted to have sex with me. I know things were different for you guys. You were super studs. If you were in yes. the situation where you are in the middle of having sex with your girlfriend, would you then get up, leave, get dressed up as Jason and come back to prank her, thus risking ruining the mood entirely? Or would you continue through the act of lovemaking and then be satisfied, satisfy your partner and then go to sleep? I feel like it is a weird choice to get up in the middle of the lovemaking and leave so that he can prank her. <laughs> it's a really good bit though, dude. Yeah. It's a also, great bit. I don't think and at all, any it, point clarified that Jason wears a hockey mask in his no. story. <laughs> no, that's true. So she just has to assume that either it's Jason or her lover has returned for some reason wearing a hockey mask and holding a knife in his hand. And which is in yeah. a way scarier that the man you knew and thought you loved, the man you were intimate with, is now coming back as a killer is scarier yes. than a zombie man. Yeah. Yes. Maybe he's still operating on like the adolescent, you know, h- horror makes you horny uh, idea. They're already of, like, doing take, it, Dan, but they're already doing it. <laughs> no, I know, but it's overkill. He's like, this is I really going to get her motor running if I yeah, yeah. <laughs> make her think that she's going to get killed. <laughs> I'm not going to yuck Jimmy's yum on this one, guys. Uh, so, free to disagree. I mean, if his yum is scaring his partner unsolicited <laughs> in a way that she does not enjoy, I would call that a, y- a yuck. Yeah. <laughs> So they climb back into bed when, of course, the real Jason arrives to attack them. He uses some kind of a harpoon gun. Uh, he stabs Jimmy in the belly and he dies right away. And then Susie goes to hide in like a little stowage thing. Uh, and then Jason shows up and slowly stabs her with a harpoon. That's the that's the cold open, everybody. That's, that's Very it for exciting. them. I that's like a wrap the... for, for Jimmy and what was her name? What were their names? Susie. <laughs> yep. That's a wrap for Jimmy and Susie. <laughs> I liked the the slow stab on the second kill because I yeah. found that, you know, in in a series that as much as I'm fond of doesn't, is low on scares for me. Like, I don't feel like it's actually that good at suspense. Yeah. I enjoyed the slow, like, push in of, it's, of a weapon. It's startling how poor the suspense is in so many of the stalking mm-hmm. and killing scenes in this movie. Yeah. How, how the- perfunctory everything comes off. Not to play Monday morning quarterback, but I think a little touch that could have been added to this, because every time you see Jason, Jason at this point looks very wet. He has just dragged yes. himself out of the water. He looks gross like a like a water-sodden corpse. Uh, I wish that every time he's, like, about to show up, the the his prey would be like, what's that smell? Like, because he would smell terrible. Like, yeah. I wish that, like, he was preceded by a horrible smell that they didn't understand and they were grossed out by so that then like there's this like running theme of like he is preceded by this horrible stench uh you know to build suspense yeah uh and you could do other bits who knows you could yeah. do smell bits it did do did you beef <laughs> no like, man that must have been you oh it's jason yeah. oh no man you, you do just the first odorama yeah an odorama release of this yeah exactly yeah the smell so of, a, int- of a wet, mildewy corpse <laughs> constantly in the theater. <laughs> okay, so we are now. This uh, we are now. We now have a scene shortly after. I guess maybe the next morning, where a the group of seniors are boarding a small cruise ship at a dock. Uh, it's and- a small cruise ship that somehow has infinite space inside of it and multiple levels of basement. Uh, that yep. they can run through, so it's it's hard Steam to understand. Pipe filled basement, <laughs> oh, constantly. Uh, so it's a, a cruise ship that has an entire hotel and warehouse inside of it. Yes. Uh, so we are introduced to our heroine Rennie, who is a socially awkward teenager who is followed by her dog Toby, I believe. Mm-hmm. And she's uh. being dropped off by her teacher, Miss Van Dusen, who 
gives her a pen as a graduation gift that was supposedly owned by Stephen King. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the yacht from earlier. A little tip earlier, of the hat from one horror master to another. <laughs> the yacht from earlier slides into the dock. Uh, I'm assuming piloted by Jason. Uh, <laughs> and he's a little captain said he couldn't resist. He had to put He's the hat got on. a Mark Twain uh, outfit on. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, Mark Twain, mustache. when he was a riverboat captain yeah, or exactly. old Mark Twain, the famous yeah, writer? Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> Jason doesn't really... He hadn't thought it through, so it's kind of a mix of both. <laughs> and he had to make it with stuff that's from the boat, so he had to rip yeah. the, the stuffed feathers out of a pillow so that he could <laughs> to glue it to his face like a mustache. But he glued it over the mask. <laughs> yeah. So we then meet an evil teacher uh, played by uh, an evil teacher named Mr. McCullough, who is uh, Rennie's legal guardian. Uh, and he doesn't want her to go on the trip. He's hesitant because she has, you know, issues. And he uh, especially is a fear like, of water. He, she has a, just, yeah. a, a horrible fear of water. Both costuming and like just like the face of the character actor. Like this is like top drawer, like eighties priggish guy. You know? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he's the guy who wants to shut down the concert. Exactly. Yes. He's the guy who I was assuming the dog was going to bite on the bottom at some point. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, ooh, into the camera. <laughs> I never. Toby. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, on the bridge of the cruise ship, we're introduced to one of the teenagers, Sean, whose father is the captain of the boat who tries to give him command of the boat, but he doesn't do a very good job, so he runs away in a huff leaving the captain still in charge. <laughs> it's pretty cool. And then uh, and then as Sean is running across the deck, a deckhand warns him that the voyage is doomed. Uh, this deckhand, going- I think it's so funny. He just He's wanders great. around going like, everyone's going to die. You're all going to die. At no point does he get off the boat. He just wanders <laughs> around the boat talking about how it's everyone's like, going to die. why are you here? It's like, it's got just- nothing better to do. Uh, <laughs> it's part of my job to stay here. He's like, my life ain't so great. <laughs> I get it. It's fine. I got to see if uh, my prediction I was had correct. A good run. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I got to see if it's correct. Yeah. So Jason climbs aboard, of course. Uh, still wet. Uh, the cruise is underway. The kids are having fun. They're playing shuffleboard. They're shooting some skeet. That's a mm-hmm. weird choice. Uh, and then they are, uh, they're like dancing, like part of the, uh, like the, the dining room has been turned into a dance hall. Yeah, it's like a little disco with a light-up floor. Uh, Sean, the son of the boat captain, gives Rennie a Statue of Liberty necklace, and they plan to walk up all 22 stories of that statue. Uh, How that romantic. <laughs> uh, sounds about right. He The way he makes it, but then he talks about, he, the way he makes it sound, sounds as if he thinks, one, the statue will be open at night, and two, that you don't need to, like, get tickets or anything like that, that it's just like a building that you can just saunter into yeah. and, and walk up. And I don't think he's counting the pedestal, which you also have to go up the steps of to get to the statue. So you, that's at least another story, at the right? Time. Yeah, yeah. I was going like, to ask are you, whether you had been to the top. Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. Nice. I have not in a long time. And uh, the last time I took a trip to New York, I really wanted to take my older son. He really wants to go, but the tickets were sold out months and months in advance. And so I, I need to like buy them a year in advance or something like that. Yeah. But when I was younger, I, I went up there and mm-hmm. it takes a long time. You stop and starting walking up because you're wait, basically waiting online the entire time you're going up. You get to the windows in the crown. At least back then they were super filthy and you could not see very much through them. <laughs> and then you go right back down again. And the excitement of that trip was 
that a suddenly a teenager came running past us, pushing people aside, going down the stairs, and a and a guard chased after him. And it turned out that he, I guess, had been peeing off the edge of the of one of the railings <laughs> and was now in trouble for it. So, so again, this is New York, not too long after Jason was there. So it was not the cleanest yeah, right. place in the world. So it's probably probably have better security and cleaner windows now. Yeah, okay. uh, and but I mean, there's always like a fifty percent chance like Magneto and his uh, Brotherhood of Mutants or some shit are going to be fucking up. The thing and the oh yeah, or that the, right? or that the Independence Day aliens are going to knock it over. Cloverhead's going to smack the head right <laughs> uh, off of it. Yep, old Cloverhead. Cloverhead, Cloverfield. I mean, Cloverhead, <laughs> the alien with four petals. <laughs> the luckiest. Old <laughs> oh, Cloverhead. Cloverhead. I mean, Cloverhead the of all of the monsters. Cloverhead oh. is a good Saint is a good Saint Patrick's Day themed monster for a, for a <laughs> horror movie. Saint Patrick's Day <laughs> horror movie. Uh, but you guys have never been up there. To the top of the I have been to the island, but the time, yep. like, you know, a, f- a friend was in town. We, we took her to the thing because she wanted to do, like, you know, the big New York stuff. And uh, it was like, I don't know whether it was because it was post 9-11 or they were just doing construction, but it was closed for a long time, if yeah, you recall. It was, it, was clo- yeah. it was closed after 9-11 and it was closed for, for reconstruction for a while. Yeah. But you can go up there now. It's, it's I mean, it's worth doing. It's, a, it's, yeah. a, it's fun to do. It just takes... Just a lot of standing in line going upstairs. Yeah. You know? I like those yeah, things. So we uh we also <laughs> meet <laughs> But Dan, you have a great relationship with your knees, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thumbs down. Back on the back on the cruise ship, we meet Wayne, a nerd with a camera, a real Steven Soderbergh type. Uh <laughs> and we have uh <laughs> That's we have <laughs> gonna be his autobiography, nerd with a camera. <laughs> Uh, and he is filming JJ, who is a rock chick who's playing guitar licks on the top of the cruise ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, JJ then goes down into the steamy bowels of the ship to play guitar uh, along with a tape. And then Jason shows up and kills her with her own guitar. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was sad to see this character go yes. immediately after she I, was introduced. She seemed like she had more flair than some of the Immediately seemed fun, yeah. Yes, I would uh, inst- instantly the most the most fun, most charismatic uh, character of all the kids and then murdered immediately, yeah. Murdered immediately. Uh, Rennie sees a vision of young Jason drowning through her porthole. So it really uh, is a porthole of time. It is it showing is. her the past. It is. I when I saw it, I thought of you. The Elliot. prestige. Um, <laughs> yep. We that, got that, that bit from what ten years ago. Finally yeah, paid off. Finally paid off. <laughs> oh man, yeah, and paid off in in cash money. I would imagine. Yep. Uh, okay. Uh, then we see a boxing match between Julius, one of the other stars of this film, and some other guy. Um, <laughs> They're being watched by Tamara or Tamara and Eva, who are kind of like mean girls, kind of popular girls. Um, and Eva, I'm going to mention, the- I'm going to mention, is played by Kelly and who, or or here I think she's described as Kelly who, who would go on to play Lady Deathstrike in X2. Oh, awesome. one of she's them says, of stuff. one of them says, "Gorgeous guy at ten o'clock looks sensual." I thought that was a good line. <laughs> um, <laughs> They then conspire after they're almost caught doing cocaine uh, or top drawer toot, I think they call it. Uh, they they conspire to that's torture the, Rennie. That's the brand name. That's the brand name when you ask yeah, for that's it. From the 30s. <laughs> you want a little pep in your step? Get some top drawer toot. <laughs> so they conspire to torture Rennie, who's afraid of water, and they push her overboard, which she does not like. 
I don't uh, think anyone on, would, <laughs> even if you're not afraid of water. That's not pleasant <laughs> yeah. to be pushed overboard off the no. top of a ship. Classic no, prank. <laughs> get pushed although, off a boat. <laughs> although based on the uh, based on the background, it looks like they're uh, they're going past like Vancouver Island or something. So it <laughs> yeah. looks nice. I mean, it's cold, but nice. <laughs> Uh, I think much the water nicer must than be like, freezing. Yeah, yeah, it would be really cold. Um, okay, but I would imagine there's like a really nice like otter or sea lion that would help you back on board. That's what Canada's <laughs> like. Yeah, um, sure, um, sure. It's just like the legend I mean, of the Titanic. Yeah. Even yeah. if an otter is well-meaning, I don't think it's gonna <laughs> be able to get you back on a boat. Not a strong animal. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. They're, they're so cute. Size um, differential. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the best case scenario, the otter will be able to lie on its back, and you could use it as a, its chest as a wet pillow until. It starts banging oh, a, a, a piece of, nice. of shellfish there against your head <laughs> yeah. to open it up. Love it. Uh, <laughs> uh, in the sauna, Jason finds the other boxer, and he stuffs a hot rock into his belly until he dies. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was uh, <laughs> as far as kills go. That's pretty gross. Get a I copy like of the Rolling Stones me. Hot Rocks. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I was confused by the, again, confused by what was going on with this ship where each of them seemed to have rooms that they were staying in for what appeared to be a multi-hour, and that was it, trip to New York. There's a sauna yeah. on board. There's very little adult supervision. It was, you know, I, I couldn't quite figure out what- It's confusing. What us- usually when, like, teenagers are involved in a I assume a class trip like this, there's some sort of a, like agenda or schedule to keep them busy, yeah. but there was none of that here. Yeah. Uh, while, uh, while Rennie is in the water, unfortunately there are no otters or sea lions to save her, but instead she has a vision of young Jason grabbing at her leg in the water. Uh, she's rescued, but then she has another vision of Jason through a mirror, young Jason through a mirror, and he reaches through the mirror and grabs her neck, and then she falls to the ground, and he's gone again. Always cool when someone re- when a ghost reaches through a mirror. That's always a love cool it. moment. Yeah. Always cool. Best version um, of that for me is Evil Dead 2. I love Ash looks yeah, in the I, mirror, and then he jumps <laughs> at himself. It's great. I will yeah. say, uh, in a movie that is, like, generally pretty cheap-looking, even though apparently it had the highest budget of any of those things up until that point, like, young Jason— Looks like a garbage pail kid. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's strange that it, maybe if that's the cost of shooting in New York. That like even this movie, which had a more than five million dollar budget, yeah. and has no stars in it, looks cheap. Like yeah. I yeah. don't know where the money's going. Uh, Tamara, one of the mean girls, tries to seduce Mister McCullough uh, so that she doesn't have to complete her <laughs> like science project. So she takes off uh, the kimono she's wearing. Uh, and she has painted organ placements all over her body, which I'm like, at that point, maybe she completed the rules of her science experiment. I mean, that's a pretty good way to project. do it, do the assignment, if that's the mm-hmm. assignment. Unless he's like, you were supposed to talk about molecular bonding. You know, I don't yeah. know what his assi- her assignment is, you know. And then she drags him to the bed, and they kiss, but he resists. However, Wayne has been filming this thing the whole time, and they blackmail him to, they don't really specify the terms of the blackmail, no. but you assume right. it's some kind of a blackmail. I mean, to, Mr. so Mr. He, she passes, but like he seems pretty dead set on actually not doing that. Like they assume that it had worked after he left because he wouldn't dare the scandal, but yeah. I don't know. Anyway, Elliot, what were you saying? Sorry. I'm going to say, Mr. McCullough does not, he doesn't resist as much as he could have. Like it mm-hmm. would have been yeah. much easier for him to, remove himself. But also, they all end up dead anyway. All this is moot. It doesn't matter. There's no... Jason's... No, we all end up dead anyway, Elliot. It's just strange to me that the filmmakers would include this scene and do any of this 
this kind of plotting or anything when it'll amount to nothing. It doesn't matter at all. It amounts to nothing, yeah. just an excuse to get another member of the cast naked. Yeah, I, I guess mean, that's it. It was right? a key— it's even- and it's even Key sexier part of because the franchise. it's even sexier because her organs are drawn on her body. So you can imagine <laughs> yeah, what's going on under the not just under her clothes, but under her skin as well. In an extortion plot with an older teacher. All of it's super hot. <laughs> Did you guys ever that go on like a school field? <laughs> Did you guys ever go to like a school field trip to like a science center where you saw a lady with uh like translucent skin uh with organs in it? Uh I think they called her Pam. At my uh, in in Fort Wayne, I never Indiana. met Did Pam. Ever? Okay, no, I haven't met uh, Pam. But it was either. like she a way nice. to like show the. Uh, <laughs> it was a way to like. I mean, it was obviously not a real person. It was a it was like a little statue yeah. or whatever. Pam yeah. died. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry. Sorry, you had to find out on a podcast live. Um, okay, um, so uh, she celebrating her big victory. She uh, is going goes to the shower. Jason shows up, uh, breaks in, and then stabs her with a mirror fragment. How ironic that a young woman obsessed with her appearance would die by a mirror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the story of Narcissus itself. Mm-hmm. A, sta- uh, a storm rolls in. Jason kills the captain and the first mate. And then Sean and Rennie find the bodies. Wait, now, that's Sean's dad. That's And Jason has somehow propped up Sean's dad's body against the wheel so that doesn't fall Classic. down, which seems like unnecessary. Why would he bother to do that? He does that shit all the time, dude. He's all <laughs> about he the scare does. factory. I, I guess the killing is, is just a way for him to get to scares. He's more interested in scaring someone with a body than he is in killing the person. Well, yeah, because the next scene, it, it follows that. So they try and radio for help. And Jason lets them make the initial radio call, and then we see him yanking the wires out. He lets them think something's going to happen, then he show like, midway through, he cuts them off. Yeah, and luckily, he knew exactly when they were going to use the radio and the right moment to pull those wires. That's he's, the I thing. Guess- he's so good at the, what he does. <laughs> yeah, if he hadn't uh, been drowned as a kid, who knows what would have become of him. Knows? He'd be Jigsaw, Dan. If he hadn't drowned as a yeah, kid, he'd be Jigsaw. That's true. It plays to his uh, skills. The, uh, Plus teleportation. The- <laughs> the rest of the survivors report uh, all show up at the bridge, including at this point, Julius is now wearing the exact same cool tracksuit top that I used to own. It made me so excited to see it uh, in a movie. Like, I used to have that jacket. Um, and then that weird old deckhand shows up again to tell them, it's Jason. Jason's the one doing the killing. Mr. McCullough's like, shut up. But it's like, everyone agrees. It's probably Jason doing the killing. <laughs> Let's all get uh, on the same he, page here. Yeah. Read Jason. <laughs> look, look, let's let's Occam's razor. It's Jason. There's it's the simplest explanation. It's uh, happened finds, seven times before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At this point, there's no it makes sense. They should have dredged the lake. I mean a couple of times the body, destroyed before, it. Before technically it wasn't Jason, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> He's killed. He'll kill again just like he did seven times before. Actually, creepy like, deckhand, only six <sighs> times. It was no, his mom, mom the first time. Five, though, because then there was that other yeah, guy. Part who was, five, yeah. Part that's five, right. That's right. Oh, you're, you're right. You convinced. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Like he's done <laughs> oh, you <got> five times. <laughs> five times. Before. To be honest, I'm not always the most informed guy about Jason and his killings being a deckhand who just works on the lake. If it's not related to the lake, I'm not really that into it. Uh, you want to well, hear some facts about the lake? <laughs> you know, when the glaciers came down, they carved this lake, killing many, probably. I think one of the glaciers looked kind of like a hockey mask. Yeah, so I'll count that as Jason. In a way, the glaciers were bigger killers than Jason. Think about it. Think about it. Are you thinking about it? Don't think about it too much. It'll distract you, and then Jason will stab you in the back. 
Okay, Deckhand, can we go? Because we're kind of all in danger. Do we have we're to keep busy. talking about this? Uh, you know, so. I you know I've dated Jason's mom for a little bit. We didn't. It, not that she was. I, we didn't break up because she was crazy. Mm. Just you know, I we didn't we didn't have the chemistry. So I was almost Jason's dad in a way. Can you imagine that? Well, no, that's not how. Reproduction works. <laughs> it would have been not different. Like, it would have been different. A different child would have been born. Yeah, Probably I better mean, for everybody. You're saying I should have pursued her so that Jason would never be born. I mean, uh, it's. You, hold I don't on. Know, let me get, get my time off. machine. <laughs> hold on. Wait a minute. Because it was all a misunderstanding. I thought she was waiting for me at one place and she thought I was going to meet her at another place. And, you know, we just never connected after that. You know, I guess if we had meant more to life each other, we would have pursued. Way. Yeah, we would have. You know, life, life, how it happens. You get married, you have kids, you grow up. <laughs> Suddenly, a woman you dated a long time ago is killing teenagers at the summer camp. It's a lot like our town. And her son goes into the family yeah. business. Yeah, it's just like our town. Just, you yeah. know, the generations ahead of us, millions of them getting married two by two. Uh, so Eva finds Tamara's body, and then she runs away from Jason, only to get cornered in the da- on the dance floor, and then he strangles her. This was a fun scene where she... See, she's in the middle of the dance floor. She sees Jason. She looks away, looks back. He's gone completely. And then he is right up on her and chokes her. This is like he does a is, lot of that, like all of a sudden teleport surprise attack. And this is, I thought this was the best scene in the movie. This, this whole yeah, dance great. floor kills him. It's great. It's really well done. And then he kills her and chokes her to death. And then at the end, he just. Dr- dumps her body on the floor and there's this heavy thud. And that was yeah. the most chilling moment in the whole movie to me. That was the only time I was like, oh, a person just died. Like Jason just yeah. murdered mm. someone. There, there was a, a life inside that body and now it's empty. And the I was like, if the whole movie was at that level, it would it could be a really good, you know, I'm 100% top with slasher. you. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, Julius kind of takes charge of all the teens. They divide up the weapons, <laughs> including those shotguns used for skeet shooting. Uh, <laughs> uh, Wayne takes a shotgun and his camera and he goes down into the uh, bowels of the ship again. He gets blasted by steam so his glasses fall off. In his confusion, he accidentally (laughs) shoots either a fellow student or somebody working on the boat. Then Jason shows up, beats him up, and then throws him onto a control panel which electrocutes him and then sets the body on fire causing a large fire on the ship. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So Um, Wayne really, a lot happens with Wayne in this moment. This is like a... Multiple death character moment. Yeah, it's really, it's actually really great. Um, okay. Uh, I mean, if kids, he hadn't been killed, his life would have been ruined anyway by that accident. So, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're saying Jason's a hero? In a way, it was a mercy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we should all be more like Jason. <laughs> you say that, Dan. You say that, Dan. But no no more, no uh, less illustrious a person than Adlai Stevenson. Twice the Democratic nominee for ma- for president. I was say mayor. Democratic candidate for mayor. I said Mary again. Twice the Democratic <laughs> candidate for president of the United States accidentally shot and killed someone in his youth. He was able to get past it. Yeah. So wow. they, I think I think he was That's a good lesson for us all. Twelve or thirteen. Jason never killed Go him. out and shoot someone and grow up to be Adelaide Stevens. It's a very sad story. He was like twelve or thirteen and was handed a gun that he thought was that he was told was not loaded and pointed at a girl and shot her dead. Oh, it's and terrible. it really traumatized him for a while. But he went on to be yes. a really impressive figure in American politics. So, yeah, that's the secret. If you want to be the Democratic <laughs> candidate for president, I guess have a have a horrible thing that you do by accident when you're a kid. So, so now we get some kids. The more kids. you know. <laughs> so now we get some kids running around on the deck of the ship. It's all rainy. One of the kids climbs a mast to try and evade Jason. He keeps looking over his shoulder. Then all of a sudden, Jason just grabs him, chucks him onto a uh, onto like some spikes, and he dies. 
Jason surprises Julius and throws him overboard. Don't worry, he didn't die. He'll show back up. Uh, <laughs> Rennie sees another vision of young Jason drowning, and then old Jason headbutts his way through a porthole, and Rennie stabs him in the eye to escape. One neat bit is when Jason pulls the, what, knife or pen or whatever out pen. of his eye. The, the pen she was given as a gift by her teacher. Oh, uh, cool. When, she, when he pulls Chekhov's it out, pen. like lake mm -hmm. water spills out instead of blood. I thought it was yeah, kind of cool, like cool. gross uh, old lake water. And it's like Jason's crying, like, is this what I've become? Yeah, yeah, uh, tears yeah. in the and rain, also, yeah. It, and it is literally Chekhov's pen because even though even though they say it's Stephen King's pen in the movie, I think they bought it at an auction, the Chekhov auction estate. And so <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that was the actual pen that anti-Chekhov wrote, used to write three sisters, I believe. <laughs> so a historic artifact for <laughs> Russian literary literary uh, and drama history, yeah. Yeah, treated so with the, disrespect the by Jason. <laughs> oh, no, well, disrespect by Jason, it's Rennie, yeah. the one who's stabbing yeah, Rennie, people's sorry. faces, you know. The, uh, the ship is sinking, so Rennie, Sean, Mr. McCullough, Miss Van Dusen, Toby the dog board a lifeboat and then they manage to pull Julius aboard and they escape, surrounded by fog. When the fog clears, they're in New York Harbor. What? They made <laughs> yeah, it. Yep. What a great school trip. And they uh, go they, see Manhattan Melody on Broadway <laughs> starring the Muppets. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, this is what we came to Manhattan for. <laughs> like, <this Yep>. is, <laughs> they, uh, Somebody's getting they, married. <laughs> do you guys want to do the whole somebody, song? Somebody, 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 somebody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this. Is, so this movie, I was thinking about this. This movie came out what five years after the Muppets take Manhattan. So do you think mm -hmm. Jason takes Manhattan was a deliberate play on that, or do you think yes. takes Manhattan was a pre-existing phrase? Uh, well, there's that song "I'll Take Manhattan," but oh, okay, uh, by Jason. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Well, by Jason and the Argonauts. The Argonauts were just his band. <laughs> I see. But Jason, yeah, yeah they're like the Archies. The they were just studio musicians that were yeah. brought together yeah, yeah. for that one song. Yeah, I saw. I saw the cover band, the Golden Fleeces. They were pretty good. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, they just do Jason and the Argonauts stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. plural for fleas. Fleas. Yeah. Fleeces. The, uh, so they so they <laughs> disembark and they enter New York City. Jason drags himself uh, ashore shortly after them. As soon as they get to New York, they are immediately mugged by some gang member well, youth types. Even before that, even before that, the teacher, Mr. McCullough, he's such a dick to everybody. He goes, "Oh, you couldn't have find found a better place to dock the boat." And it's like, dude, he just he's not a ship's captain. He managed to pilot this boat to New York City and dock it. And these are the docks. It's not like you can go anywhere in New York City and just leave your boat tied up. It just it was such an unnecessary dig. I felt I was I was really mad at that guy at that moment. Yeah. yeah. I was I like, hope, I hope, I hope gets, something bad happens. To I him. hope he gets drowned in a in a trash can after this. Uh so they get uh they get mugged by some thugs who uh decide to kidnap Reniot this point and I'm like that's a mistake guys like yeah you don't want to get money. into kidnapping why are you why are you complicating things I mean this is um, this is new this is New York in the 80s as we all know from the movies uh gangs of multi-ethnic thugs are just <laughs> robbing people and, and kidnapping young white mm -hmm. women and they don't know spray that painting Johnny Five exactly mm -hmm. and, and inducting him into their gang uh <laughs> kicking people's balls into outer space which is not legal uh, and and the uh you, you have Cruel to that and unusual they're also they're they're movie criminals uh but they're they know, they are not aware that she has a psychic link with a death elemental who is yeah. driven true. to chase her yeah so they uh, they take Rennie down an alley where they inject her with some milky green drugs before they attempt to uh, take sexual liberties with her. Mm -hmm. uh, before that can happen, Jason shows up and he takes the drug needle and rams it through the back of one guy, killing him. 
and then he uh, smashes the other goon's face against the steam pipe. I'm assuming killing him as well. Rennie runs away. Uh, Julius then leads Jason to the roof of a building where they have a one-sided boxing match where Julius <laughs> tires himself out punching Jason a whole bunch. And then he gives the Jason the opportunity. Let him, wear, yep. let him wear themselves out. <laughs> and, then, and then Julius gives Jason the opportunity to take his best shot. So Jason punches his head off and it rolls down a roof into a dumpster, which closes. <laughs> yeah. It's a real laugh. I also forgot to mention that as soon as Jason got to New York, he saw a big uh, a big billboard for uh, a ho- with a hockey goalie and a hockey mask. And it's, yes. uh, it, you know, it's hilarious. And he has a moment of, is that me? Like, is all real quizzical. Am I big? Am I big in New York? <laughs> Am I, is, me, is, is that big me? Big brother me? So McCullough then shows up uh, with a police, uh, New York uh, NYPD officer who is very Canadian. <laughs> yes, extremely. Uh, and uh, Sean and Rennie show up as well. They all get into the cop car where Jason has already posed Julius's severed head on the dashboard. <laughs> He's such a fucking scamp, this guy. Uh, he kills is that the why police you lo- officer. Is that why you love him? Is that I why you love him, Stu? I love him. I love him because he's such a stinker. We didn't, men- <laughs> we didn't mention. Just bits constantly. <laughs> Always, yeah. I don't think we mentioned, but uh, Jason, of course, in this go-round played by a fan favorite, Kane Hodder. He's yes. your yep. favorite. He's easily my favorite. There's Eas- no question. E- easily the best of the Jasons, that's for sure. Now, as far as Jason looks go, I would say this is not one of the strongest Jason looks. Number one, of course, is uh, part seven. Jason looks incredible in that. A perfect, like, rotting Part seven, Hulk Jason looks zombie. incredible. <laughs> he does. <laughs> part seven is one of, is like, kind of tied. Part four and seven are my two favorites. What, seven what's is this look? basically... Oh, no, no. Seven so is the one where he's... Uh, seven is the one that's basically Firestarter meets Jason, and it yeah. rocks. It just rocks so hard. Uh, seven and four is great because it's kind of the perfect like Friday the Thirteenth movie, and that's the one with Corey Feldman in it. Yeah, I think that's my fave. That's the one I used yeah. to see on TV the most. They and they, Crispin would, they felt they, they would play that the most. Yeah, but I will say I, I agree that the look his look in this one is it doesn't help that he's wet all the time, and it doesn't help that his his clothes are like ripped, but not ripped in like in that scary zombie way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not ripped to that sexy zombie way. Thank <laughs> yeah, that's you. That's for sure. And I think because he's so wet and he's always shiny as a result of uh-huh. that, in my memory as a kid, I rem- before I finally saw the movie, I think remembering him from, from the commercials, I thought he was wearing like, Hell- like Hellraiser-type like Cenobite black leather, like some kind yeah. of shiny, cool leather. And again, finally watching it and being like, oh, he just looks like a garbage man whose clothes got ripped up. Like that's not, that's, that's not exciting. You know. Yeah, and he doesn't, nor is he wet enough to be like, what is it, the Tar Man zombie from Return of the Living yeah. Dead? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that's yeah. now that's a sloppy My favorite zombie. I love that shit. It's not. Yeah. It's not like. It's not like gross. Like, ugh. Like, like reprehensible. Like, loathsome. Wet. It's just kind of like, ugh. Okay. Yeah, are you gonna you're drip like, all over ugh. everywhere? Yeah. You're like, I don't want to be on the subway with that guy. <laughs> no, exactly. But not because I think he's gonna kill me. Just because it's gonna smell, and you know, he'll be that smell that you were hoping for. Is, uh, yeah, so they, uh, the so they, they take the cop car uh, and they run over Jason. Uh, but then uh, another vision of young Jason causes Rennie to crash the cop car, which explodes, killing Miss Van Dusen. Uh, Rennie stares into a puddle and has a flashback to a summer as a child where Mr. McCullough pushes her into the lake in an attempt to teach her to swim, 
only for her to be pulled down by young Jason. Huh. And he's saying so to her- So I guess her, this is where this you, all comes from. He's saying to her, you better learn to swim or Jason's going to drag you down. Like he's using Jason as a, as a scary boogeyman yeah. to, to get her to start swimming. Doesn't work. Uh, Sean pushes Mr. McCullough into some trash and runs <laughs> off. Jason wakes Audience up. Audience cheers. And, yeah. <laughs> Jason wakes up, so Mr. McCullough runs yeah, that into was, an abandoned building. I think that was building. the number one stand up and cheer moment, right? It was number one. Number yeah. two was the Flash well, I mean, enters the Speed Force. Until the Flash came along. <laughs> and number obviously. one was Mr. McCullough pushed into some garbage. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of want to go back through every year's worth of movies and pick the stand-up and cheer moment for every year. What a project. Oh, man. That'll, that'll be a great uh, Flabhouse mini. Um, okay. Oh, that'll be a good one. 1968, I assume it's Charlton Heston finally talks to the apes. That was the big stand-up oh, and cheer yeah. moment. Oh, my God. Everybody lost their fucking mind. When he says, get His your dirty coach. hands off, get, get your stinking paws off me, you damn dirty apes. The audience lost it. Just jumped yeah. up and screamed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, people were buying shirts that said that line. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so Jason wakes up. Uh, Mr. McCullough sees Jason, and he runs away and tries to hide in an abandoned building. He is immediately chucked out of a window <laughs> by Jason, uh, not by the residents. I think it would have been funnier if he ran up and then, like, residents of a New York building just chucked him out so he could be beaten up. Not the band for the Jason. We don't care. Out with the trash. Uh, then uh, I'm paying thirty five hundred a month for this abandoned building apartment. <laughs> Get out of here. Charlene's uh, Charlene's cousin sent her a video uh, of uh, of Staten Island. I don't know if you guys you guys are familiar with the Staten Island turkeys. Not a sports team. It's just that there's a lot of wild turkeys that live on Staten Island. Oh, and okay. she has this video that's a uh, of this like van pulling up on the street next to a turkey, and the guy just yells out the window. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> it's, like the, it's like the most, it's the most Staten Island thing I've ever seen. And I love it so much. <laughs> Why don't you uh, go sit in some gravy? <laughs> hey. hey. Uh, okay. So then Jason, speaking of gravy, Jason then picks up Mr. McCullough <laughs> and stuffs him headfirst into a barrel of green toxic waste with a dead rat in it uh, and drowns him. As we had in the 80s back in New York. Uh, back in Man, New York, New York was open, so great in the 80s. Open, open barrels of toxic waste toxic littering waste. the waterfront. Uh, Sean and Renny go sit down on a bed bug couch this is left also, in an I, alleyway. It's yep. so funny to me to watch these movies now too and look back on my memories of New York at the time where I was not in the most rundown areas of New York City when I was a kid when I would go in and visit my grandma. But it was very much like – I would go to New York. I'd visit my grandmother. We'd go to a Broadway show. We'd get dinner at a Chinese restaurant. Like the idea that New York was just like a hellhole with open yeah. open barrels of toxic waste everywhere and abandoned buildings full of rats and monsters. Just just like <laughs> just looking back, I'm it's like, great. well, I never experienced that in New York the same way. I, I mean, when we go to Broadway shows, we would have to walk past like Times Square, like peep show emporiums and things like that. But it was not. That was the mm -hmm. least of it. You know, that was about and it. You're or the like, most of it. And you're like, Grandma, what's that? And she'd be like. Not for you yet. <laughs> someday, someday Some, you'll learn the someday. ways of the flesh. Well, so, when a man yeah. loves a lot of women very much. When a man, <laughs> well, when a man loves pleasuring himself to the <laughs> fantasy image of a woman because he feels uncomfortable around the real thing. <laughs> because he fears about being an intimate, truly intimate means. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I have some friends who are going to flay you, but you're going to like it. And then the Cenobites <laughs> oh, wow. come and take me away. <laughs> Such a, yeah, what a cottage core pinhead we have there. Um, okay, so uh, Sean and Rennie sit on a bed bug couch left in an alleyway, and they share a 
a chaste kiss. This is a rare a moment of intimacy that they get before Jason bursts through some boxes. Uh, they then board a subway train while Jason chases them through the tunnels. And this is really where I'm like, you know what? Maniac of New York, the death train did this better. Thank you. I appreciate um, that. So they, I mean, it won, uh, partly because it is clearly not a New York subway train that they're on, but also the other people, aside from when he, Jason pushes someone over, but otherwise he's just ignoring everybody else around. Yeah, he's only focused really on these two teens. He doesn't care about anybody else, which is not my, it's just not my image of horror. You know, my image as no, yeah. any readers of Maniac of New York, the death train, that's the first collection. Second collection is of course, Maniac of New York, the Bronx is burning. That my, what I always wanted to see was a Jason who is just an unstoppable massacre murder machine who does not have personal vendettas so much as just wants yeah. to wants to kill and just walks through like a like a lawnmower blade just hacking people apart and that's not what we get here and the the I will say I do like they pull the emergency cord and Jason falls and slides seemingly almost the length of the car. Yeah, like, yeah that's great. And I'm like, yeah, it's, that's cool. It's, it's super clumsy, but I imagine this huge hulking monster would, would get that kind of distance. And he's wet too. So. Yeah. The uh, Yeah, I mean, it's like how one of the things I like uh, about Jason X is where Jason wakes up on a space station in the future and he's like, okay, time to start yeah. killing. <laughs> yeah, he may as well have like shrugged to the audience. The, the, you can look, like, how, how clear his attitude is of yeah. just like, okay. <laughs> Time to make the donuts. Like that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, like, that's more the image of Jason I like, yeah. Yeah, where he like picks up his old machete and then he sees like a futuristic machete. He's like, no, no, I'll take the futuristic one. That's fine. Yeah. No, that one looks a little old, better. Picks up his old machete and he goes, at last, my right arm is complete <laughs> yeah. again. Yeah. So they manage to knock Jason on a third rail. He gets zapped, and we're like, "Oh wow, that's cool." The nightmare's over. No (laughs) chance. They escape to they escape to Times Square. Uh, Jason follows them. This is probably where all the budget went is shooting in Times Square. Yeah, yes, entirely. And I was trying to figure out um, whether I thought this was dumb or not. That they get to Times Square and they look around in awe, like any city, any country bumpkin being in Times Square for the first time. Then I was like, that's what? dumb, that they're not running. <laughs> then I'm like, you know what? They think this traumatic experience is over, and now they're overwhelmed by the lights and noise of Times Square. Maybe they would stop and try to make sense of it all with their mouths hanging agape at the moment. Maybe that's yeah. a good moment of characterization. I don't know. I want to apologize uh, on behalf of all transplants or visitors to New York for uh, Elliot's bumpkins, attitudes. They're called bumpkins. Towards, towards bumpkins. <laughs> who, who, I was once a bumpkin who was impressed by Times Square too. I think that the, I need to explain that. I believe when Dan first got to New York, he was wearing a straw hat and uh, <laughs> overalls. Yeah. Overalls. I and he had a stick of hay my sticking out of his mouth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, but I, I, I he had, all, all of his things were in a bindle. Yeah, he had a jug our, of moonshine at his hip. <laughs> our terrible. And I believe his first his first words upon seeing the city were "Gosh." <laughs> our attitudes are informed by having all of us uh, lived in New York for decades. Uh, you know, in mean, this case, obviously well, not currently. Well, but, but I also, but also, I, that I grew up well, in New Jersey. On. Well, I said I grew up in New Jersey. I had family in New York. So I was going in and out of New York a lot as a child. And I do wish that I had the experience of experiencing New York for the first time as an adult because I imagine it is an exciting, overwhelming thing as opposed to it feeling familiar. But what were you going to say, Dan? I apologize. Well, no, I'm just saying that our attitudes, you know, are informed, of course, by just having to go through Times Square as residents every once in a while. (laughs) Like how unpleasant it is, how it is, you know, it is filled with out-of-towners who don't know – 
how to not stop in the middle of the I, road. I say, the, the most it's just me I've, bumping into tourists going, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And how, and how if you live in Times Square, if you don't work in that area, you are just passing through it. There's no reason for you to be hanging out there because yeah. you don't need to be at the M&M store unless you're going to a Broadway show or something. And I will say the scary- Unless you're most, low on M&Ms. Where, yeah, where <laughs> else do you buy your fucking M&Ms? You're right, it's the only place to get Amazon? M&Ms. They don't taste right at the other stores because they make them, I guess, there. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's where they're killing those big talking M&Ms and chopping them up into the little M&Ms. No, those the, are little poop nuggets from the- <laughs> There's <laughs> just M&M's in the back being force-fed like foie gras geese that they poop exactly. out more M&M's. I will say, yep. but I'll say the most scared I've ever been in New York, and I don't, I didn't. New York was not a city I found scary. Maybe because I was used to it as a kid. But the most scared I ever was was being in Times Square, walking through it when the Super Bowl was in New Jersey, and all the Super Bowl weekend events were in New York and Times Square, and it was so packed full of locals and tourists that it was the, the only time I've ever been in a situation where I was desperately worried that there would be a stampede and I'd be trampled to death. It was so scary yeah. how packed it was. And so Times Square is a place you try to, I had a reverse vanilla sky experience where yeah. uh, Tom Cruise was like, where's all the people? Like me, I was like, there's too many people here. What's going on? So Times Square can be scary. Yeah. And in some ways as scary as Jason. Yeah. Yeah. I got two words for scary as New York moment. Santa. Con. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, that that was uh, the whenever I had so many memories of having meeting up with my family, my my family coming in from New Jersey, meeting my grandmother, all meeting together in a restaurant, and then seeing outside the hordes of Santa Con roaming around, <laughs> and us just kind of hiding in the restaurant as if zombies were were rampaging the city, and yeah. we finally found refuge. You know. Yeah. Ugh, Santa Con, horrible. So they escape to New York. They're running away from Jason. Jason, uh, in his pursuit, manages to kick over a boombox. Uh, some thugs attempt to accost him. They say, you're dead meat. He turns around and lifts up his mask, unseen by the viewer. Uh, and they turn around and run away. It's as a if to, good, as, as, good bit. As if to confirm to them, I am dead meat. You're right. Mm-hmm. I'm a rotting corpse. It is and a also, good bit. This is a moment of surprising self-awareness on Jason's Yes, <laughs> knowing that all he needs to 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 do is just show them his visage. That mm-hmm. this is why this is a moment that under I, it's a it's a funny moment, but it it undercuts Jason considerably to me because it shows that self awareness and also that he's like, hey, you kids, get out of here. You know, like he's <laughs> that he's he's kind of it's a it is a it is a it feels like more of a Freddy type thing to do yeah. than a Jason. He turns type to the camera and goes, "Next time," and winks. Uh, ain't I a stinker? <laughs> kids, yoink, yoink, yoink. kids these days. Uh-huh. Yep, and then he chews on a on a carrot. Um, now you've so been they, scared straight. That's what he says <laughs> to them as they run away. They uh, they escape through the Times Diner, which I don't know about you guys. I love. There's a little joke about how they tell the wait the grizzled waitress that they are being pursued by a killer, and she's like, "Welcome to New York." Yeah, uh, uh-huh. and she that also like. answers the phone. She also answers the phone and says that they're open till 3, 3 a.m. every day. And I'm like, oh, I miss that New York. Because yeah. a lot of the late late spots aren't open anymore. Thanks, COVID. Um, okay. Well, so they, it shows you how long it, we used to be able to say, thanks, Giuliani. Thanks, Bloomberg. Now it's mm-hmm. thanks, COVID. You know mm-hmm. what? I've seen so many generations of New Yorkers getting mad that New York is Giving not thanks. what it once was. <laughs> Giving thanks. I feel like, I feel like <laughs> if, it was up to, if it was up to Eric Adams, restaurants and clubs would be open all night long, every day, 24 hours. He's uh, a party mayor and a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> but they'd all take crypto. 
Yeah, they'd only be pay. You could only pay in crypto and yeah. uh, so. And, here's yeah. I. I have been. I'm only. I only half pay attention to Eric Adams because I don't live in New York anymore. I'm not. A, I. I figured I should learn about the politics of the city I live in. It seems mm-hmm. every time I hear something about him, I'm like, "What is this guy's deal? Like, what is his? What is his deal? I don't understand it. I just don't understand." He's the him. guy who who promised if he won the primary, he would get his ears pierced, and then he did. <laughs> It's like, that's not a sacrifice. <laughs> that's not like a guy who shaves his beard if you make it to the playoffs. That's just a guy who's like, hey, I wanted to get this thing done, so I did it. But it's also, it's, but it's also a weird thing. I myself. It's a weird incentive to give to voters in a, de- in a Democratic primary that like, hey, check it out. I'll pierce my ears if you vote for me. And then being like, I'd love to see that. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to see that. Uh, okay. So uh, they escape out the back of the diner. Oh, I, and I do want to say in the diner, this is a, this is a little this is a little not yet east not quite Easter egg. Jason gets into a fight with the short order cook there, and the man who plays the short order cook would go on to play Jason in Freddy versus Jason. No, that's nice to see. Mm-hmm. So it's like Jason it's is fighting with his, life, yeah. fighting with his future self. It's a very edible moment, you know, <laughs> yeah, between yeah, the yeah. two of them. Yeah. Edible. It is edible. Cook. It's in a diner. Okay. <laughs> oh, Dan and I have the same thought. Yeah. Twins. We're not in the same room, so we can't high five, but we're doing it spiritually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, sca- they escape out the back and into another flooded tunnel. Uh, they run into a, another very Canadian workman who explains that the sewer tunnel is <laughs> flooded. He's extremely Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> As Canadian as that cop was earlier, the tunnel guy is so much more Canadian. And I'm just like, really? You had to get a local? You couldn't have you couldn't have told him to at least try to sound New York? It's amazing to me. They're yeah, like, yeah, with the bushiest mustache, yeah. <laughs> like, he, he might as well have been wearing a, a Mountie hat and waving mm-hmm. a, Cana- a Canadian flag and a hockey stick. You know? <laughs> Drinking a Labatt's Blue or some shit. <laughs> Hold um, on, let me uh, let me tell you about Molson, let me t- let me tell you about the sewers. But first, I got to finish this plate of poutine. Hold on a second, like it's <laughs> just go all the way. Uh, so they uh, the Canadian workman explains that the sewer tunnels filled with toxic waste every every day at midnight. A eh? uh, and then Jason kills him <laughs> with classic a monkey wrench. New York stuff. <laughs> such a bonkers idea that every night at midnight, one, where is the toxic waste coming from? <laughs> Two, that they would flush it out through the sewers every night. Every night at midnight. Midnight's not even that late to do it. People are still out. It could splash out of the sewer gratings. And Let's, I do like that these uh, that these sewer tunnels have like <laughs> hanging pendant lights. Yes, like, well, that like, seems strange for uh, for like a sewer tunnel for, for what is essentially a tunnel for just for for liquid waste to have exactly. lights for anyone who might be walking through it. Yeah. We, we do it to flush out the, all the food particles so no, none of these mogwai eat it, eh? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Because then you great. got a gremlin problem. Oh, no, you wouldn't want one of those. Uh, wow, we're doing, man, we're really killing our we're accents experts, today. Yeah, this is yeah, great. Yeah. This is like fantastic, real, yeah. No, okay, nothing. so uh, Rennie leads Jason away from Sean, then throws toxic waste in his face, uh, which I guess like burns him or blinds him. He takes his mask off. Uh, they climb a ladder to escape, but a blind and maskless Jason grabs their legs, uh, and then he is washed away in a tide of toxic waste. And then we see some parallels between Jason's original drowning, lightning strikes the city a bunch, and Jason has now become young Jason again. Yeah, it's like lightning hits the Statue of Liberty, right? Yeah, I guess it's like evil connected- lightning or... Maybe it's the, maybe that's where they're flushing the toxic waste through. Get the tourists yeah. out every night at midnight. We send toxic waste through the Statue of Liberty, eh? So you got to get the tourists out of there. Lady like, Liberty cleanses the toxic waste <laughs> and makes it pure water. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, have I been drinking that? That's why it oh, says, yeah. gives me 
Give me your toxic, your impure, your bad water that needs cleaning. I, I, that's that's what it says at the bottom of the pedestal. Yeah. Oh, she does it all. Uh, okay, and then they walk through the. I city, thought I was uh, from the- Canada. I might be from <laughs> Chicago. I'm not totally sure where the accent is leading me. Then they walk through the streets of New York. Uh, now the workmen had said that they flush the, that it floods with toxic waste at midnight. But when they're walking through the streets, it seems like it's like shortly before dawn. I could be wrong, but it doesn't feel like midnight at this point. It might it might be um, maybe it's just that time of year in New York when the yeah, sun rises know. at twelve oh one a.m. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then of course Toby the dog runs up and everyone's like, "Yay!" And then this, that's uh, the end of the movie, and this, we get kind of a banger of a theme song during the credits. Oh sure, this movie in which a zombie, a killer zombie follows teenagers that take a boat <laughs> from Crystal Lake through the waterways of, of of the East Coast to Manhattan. And then toxic waste and magic lightning de-ages him into a child. The most unbelievable thing to me was that Toby the dog is like, ruff, ruff, here I am. Like, that he, <laughs> that he just shows up and meets up with them. That seemed bonkers to you me. Too far, too far. You know that in the first screening they showed it and everybody was like, what happens to the dog? Mm, yes. I don't like it if I don't see what happens to the dog. So that's why they have Toby the dog show up. Like, here's here's my larger question: Why is Toby the dog in this movie? To give a that's happy ending. Good question. You just saw a bunch of kids being killed. You <laughs> got to get he, a picture of a dog. He doesn't yeah, do anything. Happy. He does. He does nothing. He disappears. For, there were parts of the movie where I'm like, oh yeah, they had a dog with them because he because he shows up. And I wonder if they had something planned with the, like a Jason versus dog scene that either they couldn't do because yeah. they couldn't get the 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 budget wouldn't allow for it or. That they were like that they or that they had a scene where Jason killed a dog and it did yeah. not go over well, so they had to bring him back at the end. I, I wonder. Yeah, if that's what I bet it was. there was. I bet there was a sequence where uh, Toby the dog slurped up some toxic waste and turned into like a giant hybrid, and then they got in mm-hmm. a big fight, like oh. uh, like a Ninja Turtle. That would be pretty good. Yeah, right? it just turns into it was either Toka or Razor. I forget which uh-huh. one of them from Secret of the Use was the mammal. But more, and then he fights Jason. What a what a movie this could have been. Yeah. Yeah, more series should do that. <laughs> Their eighth episode <laughs> just taking a <laughs> radical shift right in the middle of the film like what i guess this is happening now yeah toxic okay. waste turns animals into animal people like it so jason number nine is him leading an army of animal people like he's dr Beautiful. moreau yeah mm-hmm. play the long game so um, yeah we uh play the long we, game it's already it, the eighth chapter of the series dan this is already a long game uh was this movie totally uh-huh. scarifying was it totally snorifying or was it frighteningly funny? Interpret that how you will. <laughs> I hate these categories. I feel like so every movie we do doesn't is, fall in them. I'm going to say like all Friday the 13th movies, this is good. Uh, but it's a bit, uh, it's frighteningly funny, I think. Uh, it's not one of the stronger entries in the series. But, you know, I enjoyed it. I like it. Yeah. I mean, it's not actually, it's not totally scarifying. But like, I didn't. <laughs> I wasn't necessarily laughing at it. It's just that for me, Friday the 13th movies, even though I don't particularly like any individual ones all that much, I like them in the aggregate as like a thing. And this is not the worst of them. There are worse, I think. So What's the worst one? What's the worst one, Dan? Um I don't like I don't like that one that where he's not it's not Jason. I, the first part one? five. Oh, part five. Yeah. Wait, is that the wait? But also, that one's really dirty. So I kind of like that part of it, right? That that's one's one pretty dirty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you like everything part, except part the slash. Good. Ones. I don't, I don't know. The remake is kind of a soulless one. Part, yeah. Three D. Yeah, you're right. I saw it in three D and I enjoyed it. I think that oh, if you I didn't see, see it, it just normal style. 
I don't know. You, you didn't the, understand the why Jason was using the, the screen. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. why Jason stopped to use a ping pong paddle for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, you know, I, I kind of liked it. Uh, Elliot? Uh, I would call it um, I'm mostly, I don't know. It's like, the, the, I feel like there's a number of different movies going on in this movie. Most of it is snorifying to me. Some of it is funny. Uh, I, the, uh, this, it, that one scene, the dance, uh, the dance room kill, I think is genuinely scary and well yep. put together. And I wish the movie had been like that. But to be honest, and I think if the movie was not selling itself as Jason Takes Manhattan, it would feel like a better scary movie because them showing yeah. up, them actually getting to New York would be, uh, would be a, a twist akin to the end of Dial of Destiny where I was like, well, this is not the place I expected this Indiana Jones movie to go to. Right. You know, um, yeah. I think it's a... But I think it's so hard for me to separate it from the idea in my head of what this should be. And what mm-hmm. it should be is The Maniac of New York from Aftershock Comics. And so I feel like in a weird way, I have defeated this film. And so it's hard for me to judge it as, That's I'm, fair. as I'm standing atop it with my foot on its neck, daring it to try to get up so I can knock it down again. I feel like it's unfair for me to judge it, but it's mostly, I feel like mostly boring to me, but some of it's funny and some of it could be scary. All right. Well, you know what? We should, uh, before we move on, pay a little tribute to our sponsors. One of whom is Squarespace, which is the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything, your products, content you create, and even your time. It has the tools you need to get your business off the ground, including e-commerce templates, inventory management, a simple checkout process, and secure payments. So if you want to construct a website for yourself or for your business, why not head to squarespace.com flop for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code flop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's great. We're also sponsored this episode by NordVPN. The internet can be a scary place, not just because it's full of lawnmower men and Johnny Mnemonics and D. Snyder's Strangelands, but because <laughs> it's so easy for those lawnmower men and D. Snyder's to find you and your information. As more and more of the once open web becomes the feudal territory of greedy corporations, fascist billionaires, and state legislatures who are deathly afraid of TikTok, why not protect yourself, your identity, your online activity with a virtual private network? I'll go even further. Why not use a virtual private network provided by NordVPN? And I'll answer that question. There's no reason not to, and there's lots of reasons to do so. It's easy to use, connect with one click, or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. They've got over 5,800 servers in 60 countries. You can find a server near you for better speed or connect to a faraway location when you really want to throw whoever off your trail. The speed's amazing. It's the fastest (laughs) VPN out there, and it works on up to six devices on every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, macOS, Linux, Linux, everything. So I would say, because they didn't provide me with a slogan, avoid the Noid, but don't avoid the Nord, Nord VPN. So I've been trying out (laughs) NordVPN is fast. It's easy to use. Nobody but me has to know what I'm going on the internet in the middle of the night to find out and look at. Mostly, I'm just looking up information about whatever Japanese movie from the Criterion Channel I just finished watching at 11. But you want to keep that private too, you know? But that's private. I'm I'm glad no one needs to know about it. So to get our exclusive discount off of your NordVPN plan and up to four months for free, 
Go to nordvpn.com slash flophouse. Again, that's nordvpn.com slash flophouse. Completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Protect yourself, protect your computer, protect the internet. Nordvpn.com. your neck. And of course, protect your neck. You have to. Nordvpn.com slash flophouse. That's two great slogans I gave them. Mm-hmm. They, you know, I hope they appreciate it. We also have a Jumbotron. Uh, this is a <laughs> message for Henrik. The message is from Henning. Alles Gute zum 40. Geburtstag, my dear friend. Over the years, you have introduced me to many podcasts, but this one is by far the dearest to me, as Dan. Elliot and Stu make me laugh even when times are troubling. Here is to many years of friendship and slightly weird parasocial relationships with podcast hosts we both like. See you soon. And very, we, uh, very cute, very cute. Very mm-hmm. nice. Those Jumbotrons are always very nice. How, how do people get Jumbotrons to wish messages to loved ones uh, on the You go house? to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. That is all happened. That is all happened. That is all handled over our network, Maximum Fun at MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Great. Uh, We're recording this episode just a few days after our most recent flop TV episode, Hot Dog and Hamburger. It was a lot of fun. It was great. Uh, Now, and you're listening to it, it's a couple weeks later, but you can still watch that episode if you missed it. Uh, how is that possible? Do I have to go back in time? Do I have to go back in time? No, you don't da, have to. Da, da, da. And you don't have to listen to Huey Lewis, ever. You don't have to do that. No one can <laughs> well, make you can do I, that. Can I, though, if I want uh, to? I guess so. If you really desire it, uh, then uh, if you want to explore the boundary between pleasure and pain, then yes, of course you can. Uh, if you buy a season pass to Flop TV, you'll get access to all of our episode recordings. We're halfway through the Flop TV season. It's a six-episode season. There's three more episodes left. The next one is the first Saturday in November. We're going to be talking about Over the Top. It's going to be fun. Go to theflophouse.simpletix.com for tickets and to find out what other movies we're doing and to watch those old recordings. It'll be exciting. Please enjoy it. We've been hearing great stuff from audiences. We've been having a lot of fun doing them. And... We hope you enjoy it too. And I also want to mention, as I did last episode, I have a comic book out from Dynamite Comics. It's called Hades. It is a miniseries starring Hades, the villain from Disney's Hercules. And it's a heist story. He's trying to steal the Golden Fleece. He assembles a team of Greek mythological characters. And then he's up against other Greek mythological characters. It's super fun and funny. It's a fun adventure. The first two issues are out. Issue number three comes out October 25th, which is... uh, around the time this episode comes out. So go to your local comic book store and ask them for Hades from Dynamite Comics, written by me, Ellie Kalen, from the Flophouse. His voice is very high. Sometimes, like this. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, I'm Stacey Molsky, Director of Business Operations, and I'm here with my fellow worker-owner, Richard Roby, producer. This week for Co-Optober, we'll be highlighting other co-ops who work in the arts. The past few years have been challenging for all kinds of creative industries. We at Max Fun believe that co-ops are better suited to meet these challenges, and there are a lot of other companies who feel the same way. So all this week on our social media and website, we'll be sharing interviews with some of our fellow co-ops. And head to our YouTube channel, Friday, October 20th, where we'll be talking with worker owners from Defector and Stocksy about their co-ops and why the model works for them. And next week is Volunteer Week. 
Learn how you can participate in that and get details on exclusive merch, our live streams, and other Co-Optober happenings at MaximumFun.org slash Co-Optober. That's C-O-O-P-T-O-B-E-R. All right, class, tomorrow's exam will cover the science of perfect pitch, the history of pride flags, and speedrunning video games. Any questions? Ah, yes, you in the back. Uh, what is this? It's the podcast, Let's Learn Everything. Where we learn about science and a bit of everything else. My name's Tom. I study cognitive and computer science, but I'll also be your teacher for intermediate emojis. My name's Caroline, and I did my master's in biodiversity conservation, and I'll be teaching you intro to things the British Museum stole. My name's Ella. I did a PhD in stem cell biology, so obviously I'll be teaching you the history of fan fiction. Class meets every other Thursday on Maximum Fun. So do I still get credit for this? (laughs) No. No. (laughs) Obviously not. No. It's a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um... Well, why don't we put that uh, behind us and um, we'll talk letters from listeners. We uh, we get some letters like from listeners like you, and we like to answer them here on the Flophouse. This first letter is from Sean, last name spookily withheld. Ooh. <laughs> How do you withhold something spookily? Like you do, you know. go like, oh, you can't have it. Maybe a ghost mm-hmm. did it. <laughs> uh, happy Shocktober. In honor of the spooky season and my need to reduce the movies in my watch list, I've been binging the Psycho sequels with my boyfriend, having only learned about them from a friend of mine last year. Your mileage may vary, but I, for one, absolutely adore the second and third, not only because it has more characters, more twists and turns, but because Anthony Perkins seemed to really be working through his issues with his own mother in these films. So much so, he took the reins on three and didn't cop out for the happy ending the original screenwriter had in mind for Norman, choosing instead a more authentic direction. My hot take? The sequels are more interesting than the original Psycho, a movie I like. That's very hot. I can't go that far, but I do That's like those. That's an incredibly hot take. I, I, I do mean, like I would two al- and three. I would almost say maybe maybe you could say more interesting, but I can't say as good. I don't know. Depends uh, on your we, mileage, but— Sean keeps on. We also recently watched the Scanner sequel and had a blast. More gore, more wild choices, and a gritty, grubby quality on v- that VHS can truly capture. We have an extensive VHS collection. Though I will always prefer Cronenberg's work. format. <laughs> well, for certain, certain things, it adds a little something. Yeah. Uh, I will always prefer Cronenberg's work and the original more. I was, I was surprised I don't hate this movie. My questions for y'all that was are the, that was the name of that was the name of Roger Ebert's collection of reviews, right? I was surprised I don't hate 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 this movie. Yeah, I mean, with Roger, he probably should have been that surprised. He did it all like things. He did. He did mostly tend to like things. Uh, my questions from your for you all are: Are there any sequels or legacy sequels prequels that you enjoy as much, if not more, than the original? And can you recall a time a movie meant more to you? Because of knowledge and or context about the filmmaker, keep flopping the free world, Sean. Uh, I, I got to think about the second part of that, which I think is actually like one of the more interesting parts of the question. But for the first part, legacy sequel-wise, I've never been much of a Blade Runner guy. I think it's beautiful. I see all of the stuff that's like iconic about it that has been... Take you know, like taken by other movies, and I think Rutger Hauer is great in it, and there's some other great supporting performances. But I find it a little inert as a narrative. But I remember really enjoying the 
the Denny Villeneuve Blade yeah, Runner, what, 2046? Uh, like, the, uh, there's the obvious one. The Elephant in the Room, Mad Max Fury Road. Ah, uh, yeah, yes. Just as, yeah, it's great. It's great. It's, it's the it's the the rare the rare one where you're like oh he I feel like the thought the thing I thought he achieved in the previous movies in the series he has finally achieved like yeah. he finally got there and I didn't even know he wasn't there yet I feel like the tough thing I don't know about you guys but I feel like the tough thing with a lot of sequels is if I was introduced to the movies after a bunch of sequels had already come out I'm kind of like I'm softer on certain sequels because they were the first movie I was exposed to so like. I I like, you know, Police Academy too, just as much as Police Academy. <laughs> no, but High I mean, praise does that make, No, I'm just joking. I mean, but do you understand? Like, like for instance, uh, you know, like Empire Strikes Back. I like as much, if not more, than A New Hope. So I would say the. I guess that's sequels or legacy sequels. And when I was thinking about this, I was really only thinking about legacy ones as opposed to direct sequels because it's like. Yes. There's ones like I love Bride of Frankenstein more than Frankenstein. As much as I love Gremlins, Gremlins Two is like a special movie to me in a way that Gremlins isn't the same way. But uh, but there are, there are a number of them where you, it feels like it's a. I feel like the, the sequel is like if it's the same guiding force and they're like trying a new thing, it can be yes. really exciting. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was thinking about like the when there's a long time between, and I think like I think I like Creed more than I like Rocky. I think oh, okay. it, it. I think it benefits a lot from the 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 history that's in it, and also I find Rocky to be kind of like a. In some ways, it's kind of like a. I don't know, like a stumbly movie. Uh, it's kind of mm-hmm. wandering around a little bit in that seventies way. And I but feel I like lo- Stallone is a better actor at this point in his career now than it was then. Yes, and yes. Yeah. and I would argue Ryan Coogler probably a better director than Sylvester uh, than Stallone well, directed. F- no, Stallone not the direct. first one. Stallone it didn't direct. John G. Avildsen. Yeah, Thank or you. Avildsen. I don't know. And uh, um, there's there's something about maybe it's just that it speaks to me more. There's something about a story about a son trying to deal with the relationship that he had or didn't have with his father means more uh-huh. to me than like a guy who's a loser and wants to stop being a loser. You know. Yeah. Um, but uh, the other one that comes to mind for me is how much I loved Shin Godzilla. And I don't know if I like it more than the original or enjoy it more than the original, but I, I remember seeing it and I was like, oh, I'm feeling the same thing that I felt when I finally got to see the original Godzilla in its uncut Japanese form, you know? Yeah. Um, to, to, I've been thinking about the second part of the question. I Theme-wise, this is much harder for me. I, I'm sure that there's a something out there, but I do, you know, what occurred to me were cases where I'm more forgiving of a movie because I know of what it took to make it. Like there's so Mm -hmm. many later career Orson Welles movies where you're like, well, this is not great, but to know like all of the extraordinary problems he was dealing with and how he had to cobble together stuff and and, and trick stuff. like uh, Children of Paradise is an amazing movie, but when you know that like they were making this movie in France on a very big scale during the occupation, like during World mm. War II and how difficult it was just to like live during that time, you're like, this is astounding. Like, I can't believe this movie exists, you know? Yeah. But you're saying, Dan, that the-, the, the uh, Oh, no, the, I mean, that was basically, I, the, you know, there's so many sort of tricks that are used to make those movies more impressive 
than they would have been in in far lesser hands that it helps forgive the genuine roughness that also is still there. Well, it's, and they, like, that's, oh, sorry, we didn't say Stu. I was going to say, or like something like Five Bloods where you, we only learned after it was released that Chadwick Boseman was, you know, yeah. dying mm. of cancer. <laughs> and yeah. it makes the movie so much more poignant. Yeah. Mm. The, uh, it's the, this is not quite as poignant as that, but like Peter Jackson's early movies, I find yeah. so, that are more meaningful to me knowing that the passion that he put into it and the persistence where it was like, yeah, I'll spend every weekend for years working on this movie and making it home. And so something that is kind of like a fun, you know, fun um, energetic splatter fest becomes like, oh, this is someone who loves making movies so much that they basically turned, made it their, their life and their, and their time, yeah. you know? Uh, but also the, I mentioned during our last flop house, uh, during our last flop TV, I uh, made the somewhat bold statement that Shannon Tweed is no Marlena Dietrich. Uh, and, you know, I, I went on a limb and said that, and I was always a fan of Marlena Dietrich's work. But when I learned about her life and how she essentially cut herself off from her home country during World War II, but she because she was like, Germany is bad right now. Like, Germany is wrong. I'm, I am now going, and I'm going to throw myself into the anti-Nazi war effort, which there are many people who would not be able to, I think, make that decision. And so seeing her movies from the like late thirties and then into the forties. Um, and knowing that like she had, um, she had made this abrupt kind of cut in her life in order to, to stand on those principles makes me like, you know, appreciate those movies more in a certain way. You know, that she, she is, uh, just by making those movies, she's taking a certain kind of stand, you know, that's yeah. exciting about it. Um, good, oh. good question. There's oh, another letter. I almost forgot. It's from Peter Whoa. last name withheld. Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson. Yeah. Hi, Peaches. I hear you're been... you talking about my movies. I can't do it. I can't do the accent. I can't do it. Oh, right. no. Wow. We got Lobo uh, Marunga in here with us. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Peaches. I've been meaning to ask and was reminded because we were at Ghoulies episode for a book recommendation. I love The Muppets and was wondering if you'd be able to recommend any biographies of Jim Henson or behind the scenes or histories of the Muppets books. I've come across a few articles here and there about, say, the making of the Muppet Christmas Carol, but I don't know of the books. What maybe I haven't been looking. Any chance you have recommendations? I have. Stu, this is right up your alley. Why don't you? Yeah, have well, one? I, I have uh, recommendations. Yeah, puppets. Those are the puppet. <laughs> that's the puppet guy. <laughs> You're like I think um, Puppet Master. The movie is about uh, <laughs> is is about Jim Henson, right? Yeah. Oh. Okay. oh. <laughs> Oh, towering above, I would say, is uh, Jim Henson by Brian J. Jones, which is a long biography of the man, and it is really, really good. I was I tore through it, and I every once in a while, I'm like, I really got to read that again. It was so good. Um, I would also recommend Imagination Illustrated, which is like art that was taken from Jim Henson's journal. Um. And of Muppets and Men by Christopher Finch, which is about the making of the Muppet Show. I think it's out of print, but you could probably track it down at your local library. Um, sorry for for hogging that one. I just you know had you know I'm like I'll write down some some books. No, that's here. I mean that is a layup for a Dan, that's a layup Dan McCoy question right there. Yeah, yeah. I'd be like asking. St- like being like, hey, Peaches, tell me about Warhammer stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, di- I didn't mention this one, but do you have any, Ellie? Because I know that you're also a big fan. No, none, and that a big you reader. none that you haven't mentioned already. Okay. 
I feel like uh, there's a there's a. I feel like it's hard because with Muppet stuff, there's like coffee table book type things. Yeah, but they don't really get you into the into the into the the depths of it the way that uh, that you want to yeah. get with things. There's also a book called the Muppet Show book, which is just like basically the first season of the show, like illustrated out, which is like. It's Beautiful. like a comic book version of the of the episodes, kind of. Yeah, uh, I'm amazed that they put so much work into it because it's so many pictures, just illustrating painstakingly like bits from the episodes. But well, it makes sense because like that, storyboards that came, or no, it's uh, like it's like if you did a, a children's picture book that was verbatim episodes of the Muppets. Yeah, but it's a it, uh, but it's a but it, you know that book came out when like you couldn't get the Muppet Show on. DVD or right. video or something like that. You know, that was in the same way that um, comic book adaptations of movies used to serve a real purpose because you could not go see that movie again. You know, yeah, because you your thing. mom wouldn't take you to Cool World and you needed to see <laughs> what Hollywood <laughs> yeah. do. So you would, you would buy the, uh, you see, you'd buy the DC adaptation of Cool World, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where a Green Lantern shows up in the middle. <laughs> uh, let's uh, round this episode out with some recommendations of. You know, even if we're fond of Jason Takes Manhattan, maybe there's better movies out there. I don't uh, think so. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Um, I did a rewatch of Alien Resurrection, a movie that I liked a lot better now than I, I mean, like I liked it okay at the time, but I think I would, you know, the problem with sequels is you're always chasing that first high. And like, there was not going to be another alien or even, or another aliens like in in my life. So, Alien Resurrection, I think, is a movie that doesn't necessarily work so great as an alien movie per se. Like, it's so wildly different in tone that that may be off putting if you like these other things. But if you sort of just make a point of taking it on its own terms. It's so cool and weird, and it has so many, like, gloopy grotesqueries. It has, like, a lot of, I found on rewatch, genuine, like, emotional heft and themes that I wasn't expecting. Like, I kind of just zipped over them the first time. And also a lot more vibes between Winona Ryder and Sigourney Weaver that I remembered from watching yeah, it when I was yeah. younger and maybe didn't understand such things as well. Uh, but it was a lot of fun to revisit that. So that's my recommendation. I, I think that's a good recommendation. I mean, I liked that movie when I saw it in the theaters and I would never, I could understand why people were upset it wasn't alien, too alien-y enough. Yeah. But I could never quite understand how quickly perception formed around like, this is dumb. She plays basketball. Like there's a lot of things that they're like funny, fun, like crazy things, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like that whole scene where the aliens are swimming and they're like, it's yeah. like, oh, their tails are really good at moving in the water. Like it's, there's, there's a lot of yeah. neat, crazy stuff in it. I feel like that's one thing that I like about the Alien franchise outside of the Alien versus Predators is how, like, every one of those movies is so different and weird. Mm -hmm. Like, I kind of don't, like, yeah, you're not going to get what you expect because they're all different, dude. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's an it's like an auteur series in a way that other ones aren't I'm often. Um, I'm including Prometheus in here. I'm Yeah. yeah. I actually, I've never seen Alien Covenant. So I should probably watch that. It's to be fair, fine, I, I started but, watching it and I've I found it. I was just kind of bored by it, but I never finished it. Yeah, I think it's you know it's him being like, okay, 
You were mad at me for making Prometheus? Here, here's your goddamn alien movie. Like, it's still got a little bit of Prometheus sprinkled in it, but it feels like him retreating to something he thinks that people want in yeah, a way that's that too bad. bugged me. I'm not, I'll check it out, though. Whatever. Uh, I'm going to recommend a horror movie from earlier this year, late last year. I don't remember. Uh, it's a horror comedy called The Blackening. Uh, it is, I guess it airs more on the side of a comedy than horror movie, but it's like part home invasion movie. Uh, and it's about a group of college friends who reunite for a Juneteenth party at an Airbnb and, uh, things go badly, uh, or well, it depends on how you look at it. Uh, and it's really funny. It, uh, it features a performance by a former coworker of Dan's ex Mayo, who is mm -hmm. great. In it. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, and it, uh, yeah, it was like nice and silly and there was some decent like horror bits, but, uh, yeah, it was a good time. Off of that quick, I would want to say, uh, I went to see the George Lucas talk show at the bell house in Brooklyn last night. Uh, and X Mayo mentioned before was the guest, you know, like how I was like, Oh, I'll, I've, you know, I'll see Griffin do a show and I'll see X Mayo and it'll be like, she like took over the show in the most hilarious way. At, like she does not know that much at all about Star Wars and, but was, was aggressive about it in a hugely funny way. Like, not like this is stupid, but like, she's just like, I'm going to learn about everything tonight. And it was, I think those things are archived online. So if you can check it oh, out cool. somewhere. Yeah. I think at lucasfilm.org. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 On the Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, I am going to, I had two movies I was choosing between for recommending today. One of them was a horror movie and one was not. And I'm going to go with the horror movie because it's October. Uh, for as it's known, Horror Scares Tober. <laughs> uh, this is a movie that, I don't know why it took me this long to watch it. I remember seeing the trailers when it first came out. I wanted to see it. I never got around to it, but I finally did. And that's Ravenous, starring Guy Pierce and uh. Robert Carlyle. Uh, and it is, for anyone not familiar, it is a period film. It's set in uh, the 18, uh, the Wikipedia says the, it actually doesn't even like, it's right after the Mexican American War. So it must be the 1850s, you know. And Guy Pierce is a, uh, someone who was traumatized by his experience in the war uh, and has been sent to a frontier uh, fort where there's not a lot of people there. It's really uh, a place, a dull place where it's mostly winter. And then a man stumbles in, Robert Carlyle, saying that he has escaped from a cannibal. And he, it turns out as the thing goes on that you assume Robert Carlyle's in this movie. He's probably the bad guy. Yes, of course. Uh, and it's a, it's a fun kind of somewhat gory, uh, kind of cannibal vampire-ish movie, uh, yeah. and it's just, it was, I just thought it was super fun, and it was uh, a movie that does not take its period uh, setting too seriously, but it does have something to say about that period, like it is trying to make a connection between cannibal bloodshed and that, and um, this constant appetite for human flesh and America's push westward and what it did to the people in the way, and mm. it was, I don't know, but I also enjoyed it just because kind of like a um, a relative. This is a weird thing to say about it, but a relatively kind of like light horror movie that it's not too yeah. for a movie about cannibalism. It's not super grim and has fun, and eventually gets a little too actiony. But uh, but it's fun mm -hmm. to see these characters uh, chewing the scenery and each other. Whoa, bit of a campy rump. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And uh, and the score is really good. So yeah, that's, the camp. A so lot. that's 
ravenous. And I'm looking at the uh, poster for it now, which is maybe the worst movie poster I've ever seen in my life. Uh, so it's not surprised to me that it was not know. a hugely Most successful movie. Most of Marvel movie. movies have something to say about it. So this is, it says, <laughs> ravenous says, you are who you eat. And it's just a big kind of blurry picture of a mouth. It's very 90s. It's a very Whoa, 90s poster. That sounds great, actually. And it tells you nothing about the movie. It doesn't show you who's in it. Whereas a Marvel poster, it shows you every single person in the movie, even the ones that you're not supposed to know are in the movie yet, and lists all of their names, almost like the index of a book. Uh, oh, in, yeah. In order of, influ- of influence on the studio, you know. Yeah, Elliot, I would say you undersold how bad this poster is because it, like, <laughs> it has this, like, CGI, like, cloud background that looks like a magic eye painting. Like It feels all, like, like they're... They're going really hard for kind of like a Nine Inch Nails visual aesthetic in yeah. a way. And it's it's a terrible poster. But, anyway, but it's a real fun movie. So that's Ravenous. Uh, Don't well, get confused guys, that with Gribbonous, which is a food that's not healthy for you, much like being a cannibal. But you got to try it. That's the thing. Oh, uh, wow. That's a terrible poster. <laughs> <laughs> Elliot laid, laid a time bomb that went off at different times for both of us. But um, Yeah. That's not the one I remember. I remember the one that has like – Looks like a knife edge and Guy Pierce and uh, and Robert Carlyle. Yeah, I remember that one too. It was a better. Let me look that one up. Let me see if I can find that one. I mean, it's not that, that good either, but at least no, it's- of course not. It's not like what happens when you if you go to fear.com. <laughs> <laughs> no, that one that one is a lackluster poster, but at least it shows you the faces of the people who are in it. Yeah. Um, well, that's another Shocktober for the books. Shocktober twenty twenty three eighty style. Who knows? We may do more flashback months in the future. But, well, I mean, actually, the next movie is going to be a flashback, but not because we're uh, doing it for strike reasons anymore, but because our special guests uh, asked for it. Requested it, yeah. Say anything about that, Elliot? Why don't you just reveal the info? That's right. Our next, we will, of course, have a mini after this episode, but our next full episode will feature special guest star, special effects legend in the making, Todd Vaziri, and he has chosen Waterworld. That's right. Kevin's Gate. Mm -hmm. Fish, uh, fish, fish tar, right? That's what they also called it. Fish tar, yeah. The movie that was uh, one of those movies that critics hated right away because it cost a lot of money, and he's going to talk to us about the special effects yeah. in it. And that's a movie that I haven't seen since it came out. I remember seeing it and thinking it was okay. And so I'm curious whether I'm going to like it or even like make it, maybe like it more as a throwback. And yeah. then um, that, was, of course, was followed by The Postman. So maybe the episode after that, should we do The Postman? I've never no, seen that. No, after that, I think Stuart will kill us if we don't finally do Mafia Mama, which he's been salivating <laughs> yeah. for. And I feel like, and, mama. and I've, I've been getting a lot of demand from the fans for the Flash, so we'll probably have to do okay. that at some point. Now that the strike is over, but yeah, yeah ma- so. mafia, mama, <laughs> oh, mama, me. Anyway, Mano. that's all. <laughs> that's that's all. because we didn't get enough New York accent in this one. We've got it. We got to go after that one. <laughs> that's all in the future. Uh, but for this episode, I would like to thank our network, Maximum Fun. Go to MaximumFun.org to check out other great shows on the network. I would like to think, thank our producer, Alex Smith. And I would like to think about him, too. I'd like to think he's a, fa- he's a friend. <laughs> think a about thanking him and think about thanking him. <laughs> um, thank you, Alex, uh, for producing our show. You can find his work online under Howell Doughty. Uh, but for now, for the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. And I'm Ellie Kalen. Bye. Hey, I'm Jason over here. <laughs> <laughs> 
kill about it. Dave, kill about it. Oh! Jason takes Trenton. Mono! <laughs> we meant to. Oh, well, we, this is our mistake. We thought we were making Jason takes Manhattan. We're making, we're making Jason takes Manhasset. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's shot in Canada, so it could very well be. Hey, I'm killing over here. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry, I killed you. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Maximum Fun. A worker-owned network. Of artist-owned shows. Supported directly by you.